episode I had a conversation with my friend Dandelion. I hope you enjoyed. I am Little Grasshopper. Welcome to my podcast. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. So I think we should talk about how you end up in the in the bus and how oh. how you raise your kids and stuff like that that would be amazing for the mm -hmm. podcast okay yeah. <laughs> well um okay how we ended up in the bus so um We had um, Bonnie in Wellington in the city and um, we decided pretty quickly that it wasn't really ideal to be there and away from family. And we got convinced to move uh, to another part of the country in New Zealand. And um, <clears throat> we lived with family and we decided to save for a house because everyone was like, you should get a house, you should get a house. So we started saving for a house as much as we could while we were living with um, my husband's mother-in-law, um, mother, sorry. And um, we went to buy a house and it went all the way almost through to buying it and they pulled out like at the 11th hour. And then we were like, well, this must be for a reason. And so after that, we went renting And we realized when we were renting that we were going to be literally just paying bills. Like that's it, like paying mortgage, paying for food and paying for electricity. And there'd be no room to, or money to do up the house. And we're, um, because I wasn't working, uh, well, I was, I was doing um, a little bit of work, but nothing, nothing of two people working, you know? So we only had really one main income. So we realized that that was pretty crazy. And I had this moment where when we were renting and paying $100 for the internet, that the house that was three meters away from me on one side and three meters away from me on another would be paying exactly the same. And I just thought that it's just so crazy that we were, you know, that it's so much money and that we're all paying the same amount. And I just... I just didn't want to be a part of a system that was working that way and that we weren't, um, we weren't, we weren't going to be living. We weren't going to be experiencing life. We we're just going to be on this wheel of making money, making money to pay bills, to look like we we're existing, but we weren't really existing. And I met a, um, I met a family that they decided to do up a caravan and travel around New Zealand in a caravan. And she had left from where we were and she said, oh, there's a bus that we're parked up beside that's for sale. You should come and look at it. 
and we were thinking of what we could do because we felt very stuck we couldn't really we didn't really have enough money to buy land and the houses that were around us were not very good um stock really they a lot of um Aucklanders were had purchased them a long long time ago when they were very very cheap and then we're selling them off and you know they were needed lots of work so there was nothing really to buy and we didn't want to be in the system anymore and we didn't want to be doing the whole buy a house do it up sell it get a bigger house you know that um what do they call it the ladder or something going up the the ladder of getting bigger and bigger it just seemed so crazy um so we went and had a look at the bus and the bus was too small but that um it was only about a seven meter bus but it was really cool to chat to the lady and she kind of gave us some information and that started the whole conversation up about doing a bus and getting a bus and so we started looking and so it happened pretty quickly from there I think maybe about a month or a month later a month and a half later we'd bought a bus so we hadn't seen the bus and we didn't have a bus license um but so my brother flew to Auckland so it was we were at the bottom of the South Island and he flew to Auckland to drive the bus all the way down and um he kind of had a wee check over and we exchanged money and then he took the bus so it was like pretty massive um leap of faith in some way but for a bus you really need it to check out with the engine and all that sort of jazz and not have rust blah 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 so it's kind of tricky when you when you've got a vehicle as a a living place it's kind of twofold you've got this vehicle and then then the house maintenance so it wasn't converted it was the house uh the bus was started it had started to be converted and um they didn't they they didn't really know what they were doing and they were having another baby so um they decided to sell it on so we so we bought the bus and we brought it down to Invercargill and we started and we thought it would be well my husband being a builder said that it would be maybe three or four months (laughs) and we're very wrong very very wrong about that like it's nuts trying to convert a bus like you're doing something within a steel steel frame so it's pretty crazy um and um we and I was pregnant with our second child as well so there was only so much that I could do you know when I was getting bigger and bigger and um we it was like it was super hard it was not easy so a lot of people were like wow you're doing this blah 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 but but like we definitely put in the effort to 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 be able to do this, to be able to change our life. It wasn't just like it all fell into place for us. Some of the steps did and made it easy, but we actually had to physically decide and mentally decide that we were going to give something that was quite unknown a chance. And our families weren't overly excited about the idea. In fact, a little bit horrified and worrying about the kids and what are you going to be gypsies and like, (laughs) and you know, hippies in a bus, but, um, but three years, it took three years and it 
it's not quite completed yet. There's a few things that we need to do on it, but um, we left Invercargill, which is where we were living at the time, and started driving up the coast. And it was cool. It was fun. And um, it's very fun to be able to park up at the beach and be living at the beach. Yeah, I guess. Never tried it, it but I guess well, it's, a, it's a good experience. Well, the area with it, that we're living in at the moment, that the houses here, to have a house here is in the millions, like three, four, five, six, et cetera, et cetera, million. And so we live in a place that is really a holiday home for so many people. Um, but we get to live here because we live in a bus. So and we can always we can always move, which is always good. Parking your bus in the paradise. <laughs> yes, very much so. That's nice. The, the main motivation for you is to get out of the system, right? To mm -hmm. get to live an authentic life. Yeah, not live, not live just to make money, because that's what. You know, Bonnie was three, three, I think, when we bought the bus, and um, Jesse was still in my tummy. So we we weren't we didn't decide to have kids to put them into care. You know, like from zero or two or, or whatever. We wanted to um, be a part of the kids' life. So when you don't have two incomes coming in you you're really limited and so then you feel very stuck we felt really stuck and not many options and so when you start to shift your perception on what is what is possible then then things start to unfold I guess I just started seeing things in a different way and I tend to have this brain where I'm like constantly looking for ways to improve or help a situation or, you know, um, and it just, it didn't seem right to be working so hard, putting your kids in care, making everything look like you're happy, having like the house and the holiday house and the boat and the two cars to have this four weeks off in a year to play happy families. And you don't really know your kids and you know it just it just didn't seem it just wasn't a fit for us yeah i can imagine i i don't have kids yet but uh working just to get by i was living like that for quite a while and it's you don't really live you just work and work and work to get enough money to even get get broke to break even or just get some food on the table is just horrible and there are so many people living like this and it's more or less the norm when you see it how how <laughs> when i see it with with friends and they have to give the child away so they can work and they also have to pay for the child care this is just just incredible for me this whole system is so messed up 
Yeah. And I'm so, so glad so that and I'm so glad that there are people like you who are doing something very different. This is very very inspiring. Yeah, it's definitely not the easy road by any means. It's not easy because you're really unsupported. It's like in New Zealand we have something called tall poppy syndrome, you know, and the tall poppy tends to get knocked down. Like it's very hard to to raise yourself out of what is the norm um, because you're not really supported. And so it's um, it's a constant you're 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 kind of like this constant trigger for people because you're doing things differently. And so it triggers, it triggers them and they, they can't work it out. And, um, but that's, that's a, I've, I've kind of learned that's a good thing because it opens up the possibility to have a discussion to show or to demonstrate or to, um, to talk about something that is actually possible for everyone. I'm just having uh, my solar plexus and my heart chakra are just opening right now. <laughs> That's very weird. Sorry, might be doing that. Yeah, you have definitely an effect on me. Definitely. Um, <laughs> You're right there. <laughs> this is really strange. I feel, I feel really strange all of a sudden. Uh, when I look right there through the window, I see the full moon. I have yeah. this giant crystal here on my table, and I'm vibrating like crazy all of a sudden. I have no idea what's happening. <laughs> enjoy it yes I do but I'm trying to record a podcast <laughs> it's a little bit distracting well should we talk about um, babies yeah so let's Let's go back a little bit, a little bit more. Okay. You you live in this bus right now, and you you decided to leave the the normal society. What what happened f that you had the um, the need to leave society and all this stupid stuff? Um. My main motivation was to um, was to demonstrate to our children the way to live that created love, joy, and happiness. Really, my husband has suffered from depression and anxiety for a long time, and it was really elevated there. And he was working in a job, uh, which he was trained in. He's a builder, but um, it's, I mean, building is not a very nice industry to be a part of, really. It's very, like, abusive and um, it's just 
not very kind and he was having such a reaction in his body from it like that's the thing like people are not I mean not just him but like most people I was watching and seeing like they were doing these jobs and and being these people trying to survive and get through life and they weren't really living they were just surviving and it just didn't seem like a good thing I just was like how do you bring kids up to just replicate this it's just like we're just clones replicating doing these things and 90% of people really dislike or hate their job and they're just doing it to get money to be able to afford a house that they can't afford to do it up to make it look pretty so it looks like they're um, doing well and they can say I've got this latest car and it just didn't seem it just didn't make sense I couldn't make it make sense when I got pregnant with Bonnie she started she started like what I would say was my awakening or my my switch and my perspective on life change like it just felt such a responsibility and I remember sitting on a train going to a job heavily pregnant I was nannying and I saw these young girls on the train and like teenagers having a conversation and I just had this kind of like wave of like man this is nuts like you know I've got this this baby inside me and it's going to grow up to be like one of these girls or boys or whatever and and the conversation that they're having and the, the, the way they're acting really freaked me out and I was just like this this isn't there's something about this that's not right and um yeah she's she's definitely been a catalyst for me to to shift my perspective to create a different reality for them to grow up in than what we had and I'm not saying my childhood was bad um, or my husband's was bad it was just it's just that the norm now is to put your kids in care and in school and um, you know work two jobs and have a big fancy house and pretend that you're happy and it just didn't didn't seem right I didn't want to do it. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I totally understand that. But if you're raised like this, and for, I can only speak for myself, I'm raised like this myself. You have to work, you have to get certain things to be happy in life, and it's not working. I was also working as a builder, on construction sites and I hated it absolutely yeah then it's I, not very then nice I place in, to be then I worked into some, in some kind of office still hated it was yeah we weren't out in the weather anymore but it's still not a good job anyway just didn't sit in the office all day and yeah you're running around in circles and you don't know what to do don't know how to break free And you're doing it from the get-go for your kids, and what is absolutely amazing. What exactly, how do you exactly raise your kids now when you don't want them to get into the system, but also providing them the ability to live an authentic life? <laughs> 
Um, honestly, I think everything starts from birth. Well, everything starts from conception. Like the the path that you're going to take needs to be a conscious path, and so many people will will follow straight into into the system. Then, and and I did, I did with Bonnie straight off, like you know, with um, you you get pregnant, and then you, you do you know you do um, do a test quite often. And then quite often you go to the doctor to confirm that you are uh, pregnant and then whether you're going to go with like a a doctor, a baby doctor or or a midwife and then, you know, you go down the track. And so I did those things because that's just what everyone else did. I was just like being a robot, following the system. And um, my doctor was like, oh, here's, I recommend this midwife. She's really medically sound. And I went to meet her like you do when you're pregnant and I just like my whole body was just like yeah this just doesn't feel right but then my mind was like it's fine you know blah 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 and then I kept coming up against it coming up against it and it wasn't until I was 28 weeks pregnant I decided to change my midwife and go for a midwife who didn't um who wasn't going to make me have a baby in a hospital and was going to allow a home birth. So in New Zealand, we can do home births. And um, that I learned about home birthing and all that sort of stuff because of a method called, just in my mind, what's it called? Um, hypnobirthing. And it basically just talks about what your body is going to be doing and how to use breath work to enable your body to work with the baby to birth. And so the more I learned about this, I was like, wow, this just seems really right and good. And it also gave me the confidence to be like, actually, I don't have to go into the system. And like, I actually had this weird thing with hospitals. I didn't have a problem with hospitals and I kind of like the idea of being looked after. And I think, that might be, you know, some people may have not had a nice experience in a hospital or, or, you know, a loved one had passed away. So they've got bad association with it, but I didn't have any of that. And, um, um, so I didn't have anything, uh, you know, I'd, going to a hospital was going to be fine, but I decided with all this knowledge that I'd attained from this course that actually hypnobirthing at home was going to be the best place because really it's an intimate thing that you're doing, you know, and um, as soon as you go into somewhere where you're handing over your power straight away, as soon as you go and you say, you know more than me about something, then you, um, you're handing over your power and then you don't have, then you've got to go up against the system to, to, to voice what you need to do. And so we had Bonnie at home and we had like an amazing home birth. Um, and she quickly, I guess, being in tune with your child. Um, and like I did on demand feeding and um, all intuitive, like all like, and she slept in, in bed with me and all that. And I know that's already, so we were already kind of going up against it. Like people were like, you know, why isn't she sleeping in her own bed in her own room? Or, and I actually we had a room all set up with a with a cot and all the baby stuff, and um, 
but it just didn't it just as soon as she came it just didn't feel right to do that um so we so we um so we just went with what felt right and then that continued and just I think being open and in tune with your child right from the start which is really important so how you birth your child is going to be indicative to how connected you are because there's all these chemicals and um, connections that go on in the birthing process and if you can't birth your baby in a way that's um, healthy for the both of you so that you both come out um, in a positive way then then it can really cause trouble with your relationship with this child so it starts very very early on like very early on and then as we went on we just sort of learned more and more about um children and um that I mean I was raised not quite so badly but like you know you do as you're told I'm the parent this is kind of like the parent is authority and the child just has to do what they you know you have to follow the rules and you have to be this way and that way but um we sort of took more of an approach that 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 they were equal in a way obviously we're parents and we know more than them in terms of we've lived on this planet for a longer period than they have and we can guide them and keep them safe but I don't do we never like I never felt like I was superior to the child and in in actual fact the child teaches us so much and Bonnie was definitely definitely those first um, few years taught me a lot and taught me how to step into um, using my voice for someone who couldn't so she had a um she had a tongue tie, but we didn't discover the tongue tie for a long time. Um, so, you know, I was extremely sleep deprived and just was told that this was all normal and blah, 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 stuff like that. But um, she she had a tongue tie. And so I had to fight to get that released. And what exactly is that? It's, the, it's where... Um, the string underneath your tongue is attached so it's like your your tongue is attached to the bottom of your mouth yeah so you can't move your tongue or yeah not, or not completely yeah most people think of tongue tie as something a, a string that goes right to the end of the tongue and so if you if the if the child or baby or adult tried to stick it out or make a little fork in the tongue But quite often babies, it's like an epidemic actually, babies out there are born with tongue ties that are posterior, which means it's kind of um, at the back of the tongue is connected, but you can't can't see the string. So instead of being like this, it's like this. And so when a child is ideally breastfeeding, the tongue can't go like this because it's tethered. And so the tongue impacts everything with the digestive system and everything. Um, So you get a lot of wind, you get, and then you get a crying baby and then it impacts the family dynamic. And then you've got sleep deprivation and it's just a cycle that gets out of control. And the, you know, um, the industry model is 
reflux medication and um you know this is just what babies do and colic like some colic sort of stuff it's very primitive and so I eventually found a woman who had trained in America to um to diagnose and then she had dentists that she trained up to release the tongue tie so we got that done and um it made a huge difference but it was um yeah crazy and I now know and I found out that the tongue being tied represents inability to taste life and it's actually not genetically passed down it's energetically passed on so that came from um either both me and my husband or um one of us and passed down generation like that so it's not genetic it's energetic that's incredible it's incredible when you think about it yeah and so i mean these children are already being born with the disability of not being able to taste life so they're already coming in not fully able like energetically able to um to enjoy life how they should because they've already got all of this layering on top physically yeah it's no wonder that it's uh an epidemic out there that kids are born with a tongue tie now yeah there's so many people right now who are just f- completely lost in this world they're just working and yeah. working and have no idea what's really going on and we pass all this on to our kids yeah this is incredible massively yeah yeah And most most adults, most um, are not, you know, they're not aware of any of this. And so they haven't a lot. I mean, I'm not saying everyone because some people are doing conscious work to, you know, heal inner child wounds and and, and all the emotions that we, they, we have stored in the body. But I would probably 90% or maybe even higher than that are not even aware. It's just a tick, tick box system. And so when you which I mean this might trigger a lot of people and they might um they might disagree but when you look at it we're really programmed to go to school get a job or go to university find a partner get married or have children get a house and the order of that may be different but it's like this tick box box system And you seem to be achieving if you tick those boxes, but it has no um, indication on your actual happiness. And so, you know, the children come because people are like, well, well, we're married, so we need to have children or, you know, this is, this is what we're meant to do. And so there's no conscious, conscious um, connection about why they're having children or why they want to have children. And, how they're going to be as parents and are they going to pass all the shit on that their parents did to them and how was their childhood and if they got issues that they need to solve because I mean we didn't that it wasn't I know that that's you know it was just like yeah we're married and yay we want to have kids and oh I have a little cuddle and you know dun 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 It's for me. It's it's really hard to even think about all this stuff when you 
you see the kids most kids are born in a hospital the hospital is the place where we put all our sick people in and we are birthing our children at the same place this is just i i don't i have no words for that this is just incredible incredibly bad yeah so so bad and so far from nature and and, and it really is just one of like hundreds of things that takes the power away from us like pe people said to me oh you 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 should you should have a hospital birth for your first one like you've never experienced it so you so you should be in hospital and they were really fearful they were like what are you doing and I was like but the first birth is really important because if you decide to have any more children and you've had horrific birth which everyone seems to have you know you're setting yourself up for this again and and I was like getting it right the first time around is important like it, it sets up everything it's like you know birth lineage and you know i mean i've heard of you know daughters and um you know going up grand grandparents etc you know all having the same birth um troubles because it just gets passed on so unless you're consciously trying to do something different or be conscious in what you're doing then you just end up repeat and you end up repeating in a system that is designed to take all of your your say away as soon as you go through those doors you're up against it and you have to fight and though they, they will make you feel like you've got no voice like you've got nowhere to go and they will tell you that you do everything wrong yeah this is yeah i, I mean this is a modern thing an absolute modern thing humans exist on this mm. planet for thousands of years The latest uh, thing that I saw was they found uh, skeletons more than 200,000 years old, more than humans. So we are we're here for a long time. <laughs> a so long time, yeah. We're a long time here. And yeah. we're doing this this birthing now in, in hospitals for how long? 100, 150 years maybe? Yeah. Not even that. Yeah. yeah. And everyone is telling, oh, this is the, the good thing now. Yeah, look what it leads to. Everyone's sick now. Yeah. The whole medical system yeah. makes everyone sick and they are telling everyone, no, 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 it's the right thing to do. And it's just amazing. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like if, if you, if you are actually in tune and you're connected to your body, you actually can feel um, like either conception or the, the egg actually in the womb. Like I, I remember feeling that with, with Bonnie, feeling these weird crampy things. And I was like, what is that? And, you know, the mind, because because this was new thinking for me, my mind was very quickly like, oh, no, it's probably nothing, blah, blah, blah. And um, I waited the right amount to, of time to, you know, pee on a stick to tell you whether or not you're pregnant. And um, and I, I didn't follow the instructions very well, quite often, rushing, no patience. Um, and I was like, oh, I'm not pregnant. I was like, that's so weird. I thought because of these signs that I was, and then I remember going back to to um, to throw it away, and then seeing the two lines, and I was like, "I am pregnant!" Um, wow! And you know, I needed this confirmation from this thing to tell me, rather than like tuning into my body. And then the next thing was to go 
to a doctor to tell me that I was pregnant, which again is giving it away. And then, you know, they sign you up, they're like at 12 weeks or maybe sometimes even earlier, go and get a scan. And it's like this, the scan that everyone does with this baby. Now we did that. We did that with Bonnie. We didn't do that with GC, but, but you know, the ultrasound scan yes, they do. Yes. And, and so she was like about um, 12 weeks. I think that's around about when you do it, the three month zone. And they put the thing on my tummy and started like looking at her and she was bouncing around like a little bean. And I remember thinking, oh, you know, like, huh, like literally flipping up and down and flipping around. And when you, and then after all that, I learned how terrible it is like having this and you know what we've learned about energy through coherence healing like oh my goodness what are you even doing you you're like (laughs) shoving these vibrations through into this little thing and and she was responding to that like jumping around like a bean and I just I just it's I can see it still clearly in my mind's eye and I'm just like wow that you know, and that's just a norm. And that's to get a picture so that, you know, you know, they do all the measurements and all that sort of thing. And um, you have an option of learning if your baby has like Down syndrome or all these things. And so it's really like when you go there, what are you expecting? Like people go there like unconscious and just do the thing to get the picture of the first picture of their baby. But what are you actually doing to that, that growing cell? You know, those, it's just nuts. It's really nuts. And yeah. it's for what reason? Cause are you going to terminate? Like, are you going to terminate and do they have it right? Is everything they're saying on the screen, right? Cause quite often they'll give a diagnosis of something and it's not true. Yeah. And then, you know, and then you carry this energy, these thoughts about this pregnancy or this baby the whole way through pregnancy. And so it's so important to actually be conscious right from the start and be like, what am I doing? Am I doing things the way it's always been done? Or am I going to be conscious and actually think about this? Because we're so led by fear. Like, what if there's something wrong with my baby? But, but are you going to terminate? Are you prepared to terminate your pregnancy? on the basis of this photo and some measurements. And I mean, if you really want that child, I would say that most people aren't going to be prepared to terminate. Like it would be such a massive thing to terminate a pregnancy that's, you know, fine. And I get that medical thing has a place in part, but but it's just, they've just made it so far removed from nature. Like really you get pregnant and your body changes and you're in tune with your body and you realize that you're pregnant and you see all the signs and you're actually conscious and you're in your body, but we're so far removed from being within our body. We now need all these machines and tests to tell us that we're pregnant instead of just knowing that we're pregnant. You know, it's massive. Yeah, it is. And the, the ultrasound picturing stuff, it's just horrible. It's just incredibly horrible. Yeah. I have no idea why people think that it's harmless. You're shoving so much energy in your belly. It's in- incredible. Absolutely incredible. It's no wonder yeah. that the kids are bouncing. 
It's, it's no wonder that, <laughs> yeah. that your kid was bouncing up and down this year. <laughs> I know. It's horrific. I think about it now and I'm just like, oh, man, what do they do? Try, try to, to build your tent up and sleep inside a big rave or something like that. Where all of a sudden the music starts oomph, 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 all the time. <laughs> I guess I guess it would be something like that for the child, but yeah, but only yeah. ten times louder or something like that. It just, it, it, I I don't. It makes me furious, but think, only think about it. Just un, unimaginable, yeah. unimaginable. But you know, there's there's a real movement now of like free birthing and stuff like that, which which I have always thought if I had another child that I would totally want to do do that which is just you know remove from the system completely and just trust your body and trust whatever experience you're going to have like you know if you are meant to die in childbirth then that's already written and it's already going to happen or if that child is meant to to because I mean I think every every child definitely brings a message with how they birth as well um and 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 it prepares you to be able to to mother them I think and in a crazy way you know um gc i had so with bonnie it was fairly straightforward everything sort of rolled through and it was um we were in flow together whereas gc he he was showing signs of coming but then not for like a while so i was kind of in pre-labor for about five days so <laughs> already starting with the patience that i need to have to mother this willful child um which is amazing and so um yeah and then the birth followed through from that and we tried as much as we could to be um removed from the system but it is very hard it's very hard especially when you're listening to other people so you know even my midwife she was holistic and into herbal medicine and she um you can listen to the baby's heartbeat with like this little it looks like a long trumpet I can't remember what it's called um, so there's no way sound waves going in because of course you know whenever they listen to the baby's heartbeat that's the same thing it's the ultrasonic sound going through um, and one time she heard this little bit of irregular irregular thing with the heartbeat and so she um, she was like oh um, maybe we'll just go in and we'll have a better sound and and I in my body felt like there was nothing wrong and I didn't feel like there was but you're very swayed all of a sudden by fear and so people want to tell you their awful horrific birth stories and share them and I understand that and there's a place to be able to hold that but while someone's pregnant and doesn't want to take any of their energetics on it's very hard to keep that out because it's like people you're like a magnet to people they're like they want to come and tell you all this horrific stuff that's happened or You know, and so it's really hard to keep out fear. And fear is so, so um, destructive when you're birthing. Like you need to be in a place of complete surrender and not be in a place of fear and um, rigidity that happens with the, in the body because of fear. Like, you know, like that tense, like, you know, you can't birth and you can't expand when you're, um, when you're in fear. I heard a lot of stories about that. Uh, where people were fearful of a were, uh, becoming mother was so fearful of a particular thing that her child might have 
that she had a child who had exactly the same issue she was fearing. And the fear is so incredibly powerful on the kids when you when they are still yeah. in the womb. And people just don't know that. No. They have no awareness that the fear goes right into your belly, into your becoming child. And yeah. When when you think about it, when everyone around you starts to come up with all these horror stories about birth, what it is it doing to our child? It's mm. incredible. Yeah, and and like the thing, the thing that um, because pregnancy is one thing, and then and then you get to the due date, dun dun, like you know this date that's been set. And if your baby doesn't come on that time, then they start to count you down, you know, and they're like, then they want to induce you and they want to put chemicals in you and they want to do like a, you know, all the medical stuff. So, so there's, it's like creeping in. So as soon as you give like one inch, as soon as you like allow one intervention to come in, then it's like a snowball effect. Um, then quickly you lose all control. And so many times I have heard this from, um, women that have birthed their babies like they they you know people start to share oh this could happen or this could happen we need to monitor this and they completely disregard that that our whole bodies and the baby are working as one and when that's all ready to come then it's going to come it's like we're so fearful of death and we're so fearful of a lesson that may come from a lost child that we we will do anything to prevent it. But in, in doing that, we're like, we, we're damaging the life and the connection that both the mother and the baby have right at the start because it's kind of like we'll get the baby out no matter what, no matter how violated the woman is, how, um, you know, like in hospitals, heaps of awful, awful things happen. You know, it's like, it's like, a, it's like an animal birthing, you know. I mean, obviously we are animals, but like, you know, like a lower level, just get the baby out, who cares what happens? And then the, the woman is just left in this state and then, oh, here's your baby. And then it's, and you've got to be, all of a sudden, you've got to be everything for this helpless child But and, and put anything that is you and has happened to you in that moment aside because you're like, I've got this baby now. But then that's when the clash starts to happen. You know, that's when you get postnatal depression and, you know, the adrenals have gone so off because you've been in fear. And so you're, you know, and then if you've got viruses and stuff, heavy load coming in. And then if you've got tongue ties or babies that aren't feeding properly, it's just like the snowball effect of things that quickly get out of control. And then you have partnerships and um, marriages that are struggling because it's like the silent hush of, of how hard it is to have this newborn child that is incredibly reliant on you and you're struggling because of what has happened to you in a hospital or what or you or the difficulty in birth you know um yeah it's yeah the, it reminds me of a thing that i observed quite a few times people are entering a relationship and they are not really happy and what they are doing is then oh, we are not so happy with 
the the bonding between us isn't as strong as we'd like to do like to have it so what what are people doing they're getting married that will solve the problem but it doesn't so what they are doing they get a baby and think this will solve mm -hmm. the problem and that doesn't do it also but all this shit they are going through now the baby has to do deal with it too so yeah. your, your your awareness that you have with your children is absolutely amazing i don't know if if there are a lot of mothers who have this awareness it's just amazing you know when you said that it reminded me of an experience like we um so i had an amazing birth with bonnie but because i didn't know i didn't really know about food and and things like that in a, in a way that I do now. Um, I, I had a water birth and I was in the pool for quite a long, so I got dehydrated. And after um, I birthed at placenta, um, like it's normal to bleed a little bit. And for me, for what was happening with my body and how I'd been birthing, it was a little bit too blood, much blood for me. So I actually had to go into hospital. But very quickly in that state, you get overrun. So they injected me with stuff to like um, close my uterus down. And um, and you just, you're in a state of not really knowing and you've just birthed a baby. So it's like you, um, um, you're quickly in the industry. You don't really have, you don't have options. You're kind of just going through. And these people are trying to help you the best with the best they can right so um and I ended up having to have a, a blood transfusion because I was a little bit low um and so we were in hospital even though I'd had this amazing home birth we ended up going into hospital and so I learned very quickly firsthand what it would have had it actually been like to birth in hospital and I realized as well that confirmed why it was such a good idea to birth at home and this uh, this only happened because um, because I didn't know how to support my body to birth the baby. But when we got home from the hospital, um, I remember just feeling like this weird kind of like, what now? Like this, like almost depressed state. And I was like, you know, looking at this baby and just being like, wow, aren't I meant to be really happy? <laughs> you know, aren't I meant to be like, just so in love and just like oh and like I I know I felt that but at the same time there was this like blanket of just like and I said to my husband at the time I was like I was a wee bit worried about it I was like why why do I feel like this and he was like yeah I kind of feel like this too I think it's just because we're you know we're tired and um but I think the way we birth babies and the way we um are with children and the, the way we we live is so removed from anything that we we need to be like we need to be in support I mean it wouldn't have been it wasn't that long ago that we were birthing in a in a um in a community or a village or a tribe or whatever and we were 100% supported and we're just not like that now it's like you know you go home or you you are already at home and you know you get you might have some friends or family that are able to do stuff, but it's not the same. It's not, it's not that wrapping up and it back 
I'm not even sure how many years ago, they used to really, really nurture the mother because they were like, if you don't nurture the mother, then the child can't be nurtured. And it's kind of flipped now, you know, where the emphasis on the baby, you know, and the mother kind of gets pushed aside. Like everyone comes to see the baby. And yes, they'll like make, make a cup of tea or they might bring some food, but it's it's not the same holding or nourishment that you need, especially as a new mother um, in an environment that it can that it can hold space for that. And so it creates this just real um, intensity. You know, it's it's hard work. It makes me almost speechless how we 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 treat ourselves as a species. <laughs> it's it's really incredible. Yeah. But but we're changing it right now. And yeah. this is what we're going yeah. to focus on. So mm -hmm. you don't put your kids into school, right? No, <laughs> no. So they've never been in the system. They've never been to um, like kindergarten or daycare or um, school. So Bonnie's now seven and a half. She's going to be eight this year. And GC is coming four and a half. And we do something um, which is a weird label. And so I normally, it, it's kind of cool because the label of it creates opportunity to explain it. And then, you know, which creates opportunity for a, a conversation around it, which is quite nice. And so if anyone's interested, um, it, it starts a bit of a dialogue around it. So the term is called unschooling or life learning. Um, some people call it world schooling, especially if they're traveling around the, the world. Um, There's even terms called radical unschooling, which is radical. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just basically where, you know, we respect the child's ability to learn in its own time. So it's, it's, it's massive. So from like zero to five, they learn the fundamental skills of, of living in this world, like being able to talk, being able to walk, being able to um, socialize in, in a way that they're understood most often. Um, and then we say, right, you're five now. So now you need to go to school and you need to learn this. And this is how you're going to learn it. And you're going to learn it in our time frame. And so, you know, when you have a baby, some babies or, um, you know, toddlers, et cetera, will, work, will walk at nine months old. And some won't walk until 18 months old. And yet they are all walking by the time they're five. They all get there, but they develop in different ways. So maybe a baby that's walking at nine months old will be walking at nine months old because that's where their focus of development is, where another child might be learning to use their hands and be, um, or maybe speech, like, you know, they're, maybe they're much more talkative than the baby that was nine um, months old walking already. And so there's just a real allowing of that. We allow that, you know, we, there's not really, we, we can't really teach someone how to walk and we can't really teach them how to talk. It's just something that comes about. And yet at five, we tell them now this is how you have to learn and the way you need to learn. And so unschooling is basically where you continue to allow the child to learn in their own time 
and in their own way. And you do that by facilitating an environment that creates opportunity for learning. And so they are with me 24 (laughs) seven all day, a whole night, which is not easy when you're not in community. Um, And yeah, they learn by living. They actually learn by living. And it's very, it's a very interesting and exciting journey for me to go on. And unschooling is really more about de-schooling myself and like my husband than it is about them learning. So de-schooling, my ideas, my whole perception on how you need to learn and what you need to learn and when and, and what that will look like. And it's amazing. I spoke uh, in the podcast with Steve a little bit about that, that mm. we are not able to learn. Well, no, we are able to learn, but we are not able to um, get taught something. Everything we are learning, we are doing it ourselves. If you don't have the interest to learn something, you don't learn it. So without motivation, you don't learn anything. And the thing is, our school system, they put the motivation in the kids of fear. Mm -hmm. You need to learn this because if you don't, you will end up in a bad place. You will get bad grades and bad grades means there will be some repercussion for you and stuff like that. So the kids learn only through fear. Their motivation is fear. And Mm -hmm. What you are doing is just exactly the opposite. Let the kid explore and learn what they need to learn for themselves. But how do yeah, you how, and, and how do you how do you provide the basic skills? That is, that's I think what's on the mind of most people. But your kids need to be able to write, to read and write, and they need to yeah. learn to they need to to know stuff right. Yeah, but but that I mean that's the whole thing. That's the extra layer of trickiness for me that's come in now with coherence healing. Like knowing what I know now, going you know being with coherence healing for a year is like like everything that we're told is not what it is or what it seems. Like so so allowing the child to experience this world in their own without putting a filter on it is hard like it's really hard to do that because and that's why I'm talking about de-schooling yourself like it's when they're um we tend to like we can it's it is very hard it's very hard especially I mean I, I went through the schooling system I didn't ever homeschool and I wasn't unschooled and so I only know one way of learning and so this is what the journey is is a journey of trust like not only do I have to trust um, myself but I have to trust the children like and so that's a beautiful thing to create is this ultimate trust and connection that um, that it's all going to be okay like they're gonna it's taking away the control like that's what our whole society is based on is all this control and so it's allowing the child to actually just go into flow and, and not be, um, not be held down by these ideals. So 
we live in a world where there is writing like everywhere like you, you know signs or so it would be very difficult for the child to not learn to eventually read whenever that was right we live in a society that's literate it's just going to happen yes absolutely i mean we are talking now through talk technology you can't use technology without the written word yeah exactly and they learn so quickly like they're way faster than us and I mean, they are like literal sponges. Like I'll say something once and then it will be repeated. It's not necessarily always a positive thing either. <laughs> you know, like it's just like, holy moly, like you have to be so onto your game and conscious about what you're doing and saying. And I mean, like for instance, like a child might, which this has definitely happened, um, like drawn on the wall or something like that. And we've we have our own connection with that. Like um, for us, like we've <laughs> built this bus from scratch and put like sweat and tears into it. And then, you know, the kids drawing all over it with a, a marker. And in that moment you, you've got like, okay, I've got my feelings about this. Like, Oh no, I don't want it to look that way. But it's like, what, what is the child actually been trying to learn? Because in every moment, every moment now moment there's a learning experience so you know drawing on paper like this is a completely different experience from drawing like this and it's about kind of like facilitating space for that so you know you go through the whole thing like let's not draw on the walls but maybe i'll set you something up on the wall and this can be your wall to draw on but that's tricky as well because it's very instinctual and it's very in the moment And sometimes it's like for attention seeking or, you know, like if, if they're having a moment and they need something. But sometimes it's also in that moment they need to learn this skill and for whatever reason they're drawn and they're very honed in and that's what they're doing and then it passes and they're never going to do it again. But it was in that moment. So it's just, I guess, creating space and seeing that everything is learning like going to the laundry mat and putting the money in the machine or um, programming it or you know like and working out time all of these things are learning like you're constantly learning how to be in society you're you're seeing leaders you're seeing um, numbers on repetition so it's starting to go in and a game like bonnie would ra randomly make up when she was when she maybe four or five And she would start, she would see letters around, like would be driving in there. And she'd be like, ah, oh, that's a, that's a this or, a, you know, and she would get like maybe quarter of them right and quarter of them wrong. And then we'd have a bit of a discussion about um, how tricky like English is because like, you know, sometimes letters don't sound the way you say them. So she was mixing C's and S's up and, you know, things like that. Um, but that was something she created herself and fun. So children are always going to learn when they're in joy. Like, so that's when they best learn. That's when they absorb all the information. So it's really about creating an environment where there's no stress, ideally, and um, a loving, caring, an environment where they can explore and 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 be in, in joy and just just um, 
be who they are, like rather than trying to fit in a box of what society wants them to be. And she dresses up and she goes into town with like all sorts of crazy things, like experimenting with dressing up and, you know, like expressing herself or um, she's currently, she will make up all on her own, all um, just, she just goes and do it, does it. It's not even suggested like a, a table and she makes up a shop to sell things. Um, and one time recently she did that outside of a, um, a property that we were staying on and she had things to sell, but she was giving them away for free, like, you know, just donation. She just set it up all beautiful, like a, like an op shop. And she had these cars stopping and I was like, oh my goodness. Like, I was so surprised. I didn't expect, cause I was like, you know, we're, we're on a, a road that cars are going quite fast. I'm not sure of, of you know, and, and I was sort of putting my, like trying to, smooth anything of you know and I was projecting all this fear and worry onto the situation and then these cars are stopping and she was like mom I need a I need a break I need a sign back in five minutes you know <laughs> so, <laughs> so she so we so we wrote that sign out and she put it out and she actually made money and she was like look mom I made this money and she I said that it was for free but they wanted to give me money for it and I was just like wow you know it's such a cool experience for her. So not only, you know, and that was all self-directed. And so she's been doing it a little bit more and um, we've got the opportunity to go to a fair, like a, a market day that we have here. And she's going to sell some stuff with a friend. So this is all learning. This is math. This is communication. This is teamwork. This is, you know, you name it. You can put all learning into this um, and, you know, do some baking, you've got some science in there. It, it's learning doesn't have to be what it's made out to be. It, it, you know, it's not that. And in actual fact, if the children were like, if we we're in a village, a community, and we were all working together, then that, then that's how the children would learn. They'd be in a little group, like a little posse, and they'd go around and they'd, you know, They'd be interacting with adults until they had enough and then they'd go away and then they play games, re, um, repeating what they've learned. And, and it's all about fun and playing. But we see like a 10-year-old now playing and we're like, oh, you're a bit old to do that. Or, you know, here's a device or, um, yeah, they, kids don't know how to play. They don't know how to climb. They don't know how to get dirty. Kids can't get dirty now because they've got like these nice clothes on. Um, yeah, it's, it's fun. It's hard. Yeah, I guess. It's not easy. I guess. I guess. It, it triggers so many memories in, in myself when you talk about this. Um, I didn't want to have kids for the longest time. And especially for the reason that I don't want to put a kid into the society. And I live in Germany. For us, school is mandatory. There is no, no option of getting out. The only option is you go outside, out, out of the country. It's the only option. And so, yeah, we didn't have kids. And... For me, my, my experience as as a kid going to school 
I, I don't remember much, but I know it was boring as hell. I was bored out of my mind, and it's just, yeah. I somehow got through it, even with good grades, even though I never did anything for it, never did any homework or studied for any test or something like that. I only know I was totally bored. Yeah, I mean, in school, you just really, you just really learn very quickly that it's about getting the answer that is already there. It's not really exploring anything. It's about what is written in a textbook. And you need to learn this, and then we pass it on and regurgitate it. It's, you know, it's just um, manufacturing sheep. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and um, I don't. I don't think I've ever. I've hardly ever spoken to anyone who said that they enjoyed school. And even if they did think that they liked school, I dug a little bit deeper, and and they realised that they do have some things that they've brought in to the adult la- life from the schooling system, like their inability to to speak in front of a large group of people because they don't want to be judged or their their um and you see it as well like you see it if you observe adults with their children you can see where they where they're triggered or where they've been hurt and they carry that and they pass it on because they're not conscious and you said that you you you, you chose not to have kids because of the schooling system and i think that is like amazing because it's conscious. You're not, you didn't go along and tick a box and go, yeah, we've got a kid now. Oh, wait, shit, school. I don't really like the idea of that. Oh, well, I've got another option, blah, blah, blah. You know, like you actually were conscious about it. And that's the, that's the big part of the problem is people are doing all these things and they're not really that conscious about what they're doing. They're just ticking boxes. Because we learned to do that in school. We learned to do the right thing, even if it didn't make us happy or in the search of making us happy. Yeah, I don't know if it's, I, I guess maybe more people are conscious, but they're still going along. And I decided to not go along. Well, yeah, yeah. that's the other thing. It's very hard to stick yourself out and be yes. like, hey, we're doing it different. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I myself, I have. I had a fear of being in a crowd, some kind of a phobia, a little bit similar oh. to, to claustrophobia. And I had this from my from my time in the in the school system. Right oh. in the early in the early uh, years of my school, somehow my my teacher sent me in the corner for something and I had to face the corner and this led to some kind of weird phobia of crowds this is just incredible I know how, how this worked through to uh, our friend Cornelius and he was able to, to clear it out again but holy shit I was walking around it for the last 42 years yeah I wonder yeah. how much how much damage we are still carrying around from all this stuff. Oh, all we're doing is just passing it on, passing it on. Yeah. I mean, that's why 
it's so cool um you know it's one of the things on the list to change your life is you know um I can't remember the exact words on Cornelia on the 1.0 website where you you know um do the work so that your children don't have to yes you know because it is just going to repeat and that's the the massive thing yeah but it's 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 not easy and you have to be um yeah, I can see why a lot of people don't want to do that. It's it's the same with food, you know, like why people want to only eat in a certain, you know, um, can't, they've just got such blocks about food. It's the same, like, you know, they're working, they're both working, there's no time, they're not inspired, you know, they've, they're just passing on what their parents ate. They don't, they're not interested. It tastes good. It's got the dopamine hit that we need, and yeah, and we need the constant dopamine hit because we are constantly bombarded with stress and all kinds of worries that we go through through the day. It's no wonder that you need a relief. It's absolutely no yeah. wonder. And so then the children are also going to school full of like preservatives and sugars and um, you know kind of fatting to death because their liver's already not working and you know they're meant to perform in a system that's already like stacked against them and so there's already this belief of like not being good enough can't do enough you know coming through yeah exactly well thank you Danny. thank you very much i think this is a lovely discussion that we have to uh, keep doing especially we need to do it for the food stuff <laughs> but I guess this will be another show another so, show oh my goodness yeah you have to come back now <laughs> all right just for you Bernie oh thank you very much <laughs> thank you for chatting with me yeah, thank you for being my guest thank you very much Mind.